We all have challenges. There are challenges which hold us back and there are those which call us forward. This week, my guest is Justin Meadows and this show is all about how you can have success on your own terms, no matter what the constraints are. If you think you're too remote, too isolated, you don't have time, money or education to be successful, then hopefully this week's show will open your eyes. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday, I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new, then take a second now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. You can also grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join my Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders, and I, along with lots of other digital entrepreneurs will be waiting for you there. So welcome along and let's meet Justin. This week I am delighted to be welcoming Justin Meadows to the show. Justin runs Tuned WP and I'm not going to tell you too much about what that is because Justin, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do. For sure. G'day Bob. Pleasure to be on here. Yeah, I'm Justin Meadows and Tune WP is the business that I've been running for about 10 years now. It's the, the latest iteration of. Um, I'm, in, I, I'm based in uh, rural uh, Victoria in Australia, so I'm about uh, three hours drive north of Melbourne up in the mountains here. Um, is that the part I'm, they would call the outback? Uh, it's, not quite, it's not quite <laughs> the outback. It is the bush or they... <laughs> It's called the high country around here. Right. <laughs> uh, so I'm right near a ski resort, actually. It's uh, it's also the sort of area of the uh, Ned Kelly, uh, famous Ned Kelly stories. It's Kelly country. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, so um, the uh, business I, I, I sort of, uh, how, how I've, got here I've um, started out making uh, the business about uh, SEO actually and I, I just sort of stumbled into the online space uh, a mate of mine had found some uh, a, a really good good person that taught them about SEO and, and sort of said you should um, have a crack at this and at the time I was I was working doing uh, promotional products for my old man. Um, and I, I wanted to make a bit of side income and, and sort of eventually turn that into a business. So I took the plunge and, and had a go. I, I started off actually um, making like a beer blog and uh, trying to get money out of that, doing SEO on it and putting ads on it and that sort of thing. And although that, that whole idea kind of failed, I learned a lot about SEO and then I thought I can help other businesses around me with that sort of thing. And um, so I started offering that to the uh, local businesses in, in my town. I, I knew that sort of uh, that was a small pool. There's only um, 3,000 people in the town at the time. Um, and uh, I sort of ha- thought maybe I could go with a wholesale model and build a team that would supply this to other marketing agencies in Melbourne and in Sydney and I could build relationships, you know, um, take the time to travel to Melbourne and to Sydney and build relationships with a few key um, agencies that would resell my services. Um, but I, I also found around that time that it was hard for me to hire and build a team of 
um, other people that could help me with the SEO. And uh, the other thing was that to do the SEO work, we also needed to help people with their website and optimize their website and quite often build a new website for them. And at first, I actually hated that. That was that was a um, big pain in the butt for me. But I um, eventually found that that was actually a better business model because I could uh, a lot easier, easier find um, great developers, but it was a lot harder to find and train uh, good people for SEO. Yeah. Um, so that sounds like a fairly a fairly straightforward journey, but it it really isn't. I mean, things like blogging, for example, they really depend a lot on luck. If you're gonna if you're gonna be as successful as a blogger, you're gonna have to chip away at that for a long, long time and get yeah. lucky. And that's not a plan. It's yeah. it's great if you can turn a hobby like that into a business, but it's a very rare thing. Absolutely, I, I found I could get success in terms of rankings and eyes on the page and plenty of visitors but converting that into uh money <laughs> was yeah. the hard part <laughs> turning it into a business and monetizing that um was yeah the, the part that i struggled with so looking at your business now you've got tuned wp which i instinctively think of as a wordpress maintenance business but it, that's not really the case is it you're you're doing new build websites as well now we are, although it's actually something that I'm doing less of, um, and uh, so so we we sort of turned um, from from doing the SEO. I, I turned into becoming a full just focused web dev agency, and we were supplying white label web dev actually under a different brand, which I still have called Evergreen Profit, and um, that was we were doing a lot of website development, building the sites, and then doing the ongoing. Um, maintenance and support and hosting of those websites um, but I found it was hard to get people to just sign up just to the the maintenance and support without also building the website as well and so I sort of felt like I needed to do ha have both of those two services and and that the the building the websites led into the maintenance and support service which was sort of what was left over of the old SEO service we we built that into the service at that time was the the support and maintenance and hosting of the websites that we're doing the SEO to. We sort of stopped doing the SEO over time and started focusing on the builds, uh, but we kept that support service. And I've um, eventually ran into troubles with that business model of being a white label website development company because I was reliant for most of my income on a few key um, agencies sending work to me and that it was lumpy income in the form of big projects and in Australia we really just shut down all through uh, January from sort of um, you know a few weeks out before Christmas till the end of January after Australia Day um, nothing no, no, nobody starts any new projects and so uh, we had one year in particular where we'd have a, had a lot of growth in the business. I'd hired a lot of developers and I had a lot more overheads in terms of full-time staff that I had in the team. And uh, we had a particularly bad Christmas period where we didn't get any new projects come on board uh, from the start of December all the way through until March is when we started getting them. And that really hurt the business from a cash flow point of view. 
And um, that was when I'm like, right, something's got to change. I need to have control over acquiring customers and dealing directly with customers. And so I, I moved away um, from that business model. Uh, I still have that there. We still have, uh, we still look after a number of uh, wholesale uh, clients in that way and we still have that brand but I've now focused on building out the tuned WP brand over the last sort of uh, three years and um, yeah now we we really focus on um, taking on existing websites and fixing them up and optimizing their performance and then giving them the ongoing hosting and support so for the average I mean you focus on WordPress exclusively now is that correct yeah I always have that was always mm. something that I, I decided that I was going to specialize in that to keep it simple. So looking at the tuned WP side of things now, that's your main focus. I'm thinking about the average website owner that has had a website built by a local web developer. That's usually how it goes. A local web developer who's decided they're going to they're gonna use WordPress as their platform of, ch of choice all the time or occasionally, as is often the case, is sort of what are we going to do this one with? That's how they normally <laughs> approach things. Yep. And then it's kind of, they're not, they're not coming to that project with a, Word, with a WordPress discipline perspective. What kind of performance improvements should you expect when you move to somebody like Attune WP or over the, the, the company that probably built your website? Yeah, so there's, there's a number of, that's a very multifaceted question. <laughs> There's a lot. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of myself. I'm a per perfect example. I built my own WordPress website. I'm mm. kind of okay at that, but there's probably all kinds of things I've screwed up along the way. I know if yeah. you do an SEO audit on it, there's a lot of red flags that I don't know how to fix. But they're not yeah. costing me. They're not. They're not asking me to put money in my hand and hand over money in terms of lost revenue. But I'm sure yeah. there's lost opportunity through lost rankings and lost performance. Yeah, absolutely. And that is typically where we can get the best results for clients is where they're at a point where they're spending a fair bit on their marketing and they really want to, um, they're, they're growing and, and they want to uh, really make the most out of that and make sure that um, their website is really converting and, and um, as much as possible of the, the marketing spend that they're putting into their business. And so plugging up those little leaks can end up uh, saving or, you know, making a lot more money. So I, I think um, that when when we look at the performance of a website, we look at eight key areas. And um, the, the first thing we actually look at the design. Um, so the first impression that you get when you're looking at a website and a number of times I've seen websites that have been built by expensive agencies and they're they're missing a few key elements like a strong call to action or they've still got an image slider or something silly like that so so or or they they're trying to um add in too many different um things that are vying for your attention and it becomes confusing and you're not really sure what what this business has to offer when you first look at the website so looking at that first impression is one of the things that we do uh, another thing that we uh, assess is how you're building trust and authority because trust is a massive factor when you, you know, people are handing over money on the internet. Um, so you want to uh, prove that you are a trustworthy business and you can get results that they that you promise you you 
you're going to get and um, that you are the best business out there to to deal with. So uh, looking at where in the website those trust and authority factors are displayed and then looking at how you, you're tracking it, the conversions and do you have a strong call to action and are they in logical places on the pages. Um, that's the, the sort of leads and funnels aspect is another um, element that we look at. And then things like the, the page load speed, um, this has become more and more important over the, the past uh, two years because Google have been putting a very big focus on it and they've been making that an increasingly stronger uh, ranking signal in, their, um, in, in the SEO, but also in their ad um, algorithm with the uh, quality score of the landing page. Uh, if you have a slow loading mm. website, you will actually be paying more per click for your bids. And I believe that is also true of Facebook, but I don't actually have data on that. Um, and then so apart from that speed aspect of SEO, we look at other things that affect your SEO and we're looking at the broad, you know, um, the looking for, is there anything that is uh, glaringly obvious issues and is there some 80-20 uh, sort of things that we can do, some small tweaks that we can make that are going to give you the, the biggest chunk of your results. We, I, I wouldn't say that we're SEO specialists these days. I certainly don't run SEO campaigns for people anymore. Um, and so I haven't really been on top of the latest tools and competitive analysis and all that sort of stuff. But we still know the, the, the essentials that a website needs to have to, to rank well. And then um, the other other sort of areas of performance that we look at are the mobile experience because that is also extremely important and, and as for some websites more so than others. Uh, it depends on the, the target market. And then the last thing we look at, or not the last, but the uh, second last is looking at the security um, of the website, making sure you're using SSL. That is pretty commonplace now, but it's still I still come across websites that are not doing that. Um, and that is that again feeds into your conversions and also your SEO. Uh, and so we also look in the back end of the website and look at how um, how secure your WordPress has been structured in terms of the plugins you're using and um, and do you have a firewall in place and those sort of things. Um, and the last thing we look at is asset control, and that is something that's um, probably a not as tangible sort of thing, but I think it's important when you, as a business, um, that you make sure that your website is uh, an asset for your business and it is something that you have control over. Um, and that is one of the main reasons why I've stuck with WordPress because I think it's a good platform from that point of view. You do have full control and ownership of your website. If you go onto other platforms like uh, Shopify, which are fantastic um platforms for certain types of businesses and, and for certain stages of your business, you do give up that uh, control of your asset to a certain degree. And, um, and I, the other thing is by putting mar your, your marketing material, publishing content on your website, uh, you're building up a, an asset which is saleable and which brings people to you. But if you're only ever putting content out on your um, Instagram account and you're never putting any of that on your website then if you lose your Instagram or if Instagram becomes not popular or deleted or whatever then you've lost all of your your content that you've published. I think that asset control piece is 
really important. It's, it's often, I think, forgotten about in the glamour of potentially working with a new agency. That's I, it. I it's not called, as sexy as the other topics. <laughs> yeah. I think somebody contacted me the other day just for some advice to look at his website because it wasn't doing what he needed it to do and his developer was giving him a very high price. It, it didn't it wasn't didn't have an SSL certificate. And yeah. he was quoted in the UK a thousand pounds to have the SSL applied to it, which I thought that sounds wow. like a lot of money. <laughs> But the reason it was costing that was because the website had been built in Cold Fusion, which you'll know nobody should be using Cold Fusion anymore. No. This website was only a year old, and mm. that client had been completely painted into a corner. He had nowhere to go. And I also see that quite often with people working with their own proprietary content management systems because they've invested in this as an agency over years. They've built their own content management system. These are two really important things to watch out for. It's obsolete technology that nobody will touch or proprietary technology that nobody will let you touch. Never mind the Shopify's of, and Squarespace's of this world. At least somebody can come in and help you yeah, with those. Yeah. It amazes me, but I, I also see still some businesses that are in that um, tricky situation where they're, they're at the mercy of this one web developer who's the only person in the world who can <laughs> make changes to their site. And it's, um, it's, yeah, not a good position to put your, you know, something that is the most important marketing asset for your business. Mm. So looking at your business now, what you've described as a business that has sort of been through service revenue, through to project revenue, through service revenue, I'm curious to know where that, what that breakdown is for you now in terms of the proportion of project to service revenue in terms of sort of yeah one-off lumps of cash as opposed to recurring regular money yeah so it's now shifted to uh three quarters uh recurring and just one quarter um yeah, one-off projects so um and this is where i've uh, been trying to get it to for the last couple of years so i'm quite happy with that that ratio as it is now i'm curious to know what that's made in terms of a difference to this whole Christmas cash flow problem? Because I think a lot of people listening, if they are in agencies, will be listening thinking, wow, three quarters service revenue, that's a that's a long way off. But how would you describe the rewards of that? Uh, it's fantastic. Just the peace of mind for um, uh, after that first initial cash flow crunch that I had uh, a couple of years ago, uh, that put me personally under a hell of a lot of stress um, for a long time because it meant that I went into a bit a fair bit of debt at the time um, and then I, I struggled to um, come back from that because in order to come back from that I also needed to restructure my business and it was a bit of a juggling act for quite some time and and also at that time when it, when I was going through that cash flow crunch I needed to lay off some staff and that was uh, a hard thing to do so it was it was a it was a horrible experience, and I never want to go through that again. <laughs> um, but it certainly has forced me to build a much stronger business, and now I, I do have a greater peace of mind and also um, flexibility within the business to um, make changes to the business that um, uh, uh, not just things that I need to do now to get money. You know, I can now start making decisions based on what is best for our clients, what is best for our team, what is best for me personally. And um, yeah, it is definitely um, uh, 
much happier with my business this year than I have been in previous years. Yeah, I can totally relate to all of that. I think I've had some very similar experiences. And I think as well, it's it's important um, to talk about it because I think uh, most businesses probably do go through this. But when you're going through it, you feel totally alone and you feel like you're a failure. And I think it is important to realize that it's um, uh, it, it, you, you're not the only one that's um, had these sort of problems. And in fact, most businesses don't come out of it. And so um, if you can navigate your way through it, then um, you've done bloody well. I think so. I think especially in your space where most people's approach to fixing that problem is just sell harder, sell more. That's the traditional way of fixing it. You just, you accumulate more people to deliver more work in order that you can generate more money and it just becomes this horrible hamster wheel of sales. Mm. But to actually adjust the business model and say, well, everybody else is going that way. You know what? I'm going this way. It's a much better way of doing it, but it is terrifying. Yeah, and it's and it's important. I that that's um, one of the reasons why I'm still very much involved in a lot of um, business communities, and I think that being a part of a business community is very important because uh, just being able to um, understand that other people are going through similar struggles or have gone through similar struggles, and it doesn't mean that you're uh, not a good you know um, business owner. It's very easy to run into these kind of um, uh, cash flow problems and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, it's very easy to sort of feel completely like a failure, but it doesn't mean that your business isn't good and it doesn't mean that you haven't got a great service or a great team. You know, there's it's quite often um, just one, one little oversight that can bring you into these kind of problems. Let's talk about communities a little bit then because I think you said you're in quite a remote area. And mm. most people in your space, they, they're accustomed to local networking, selling to yeah. local businesses. Occasionally, they might be in a big city where they can grow into a bigger agency. It's like the, the sort of shellfish grows to fit the shell. Yeah. But that's not really been possible for you. I'm curious, do you have any competitors in your local town? Um, I actually don't view there, there are other uh, developers in town and other people who offer website sev- services, but I, I don't view them as competitors. I don't actively compete against them. At the start, I, you know, that I that was it was easiest to you know go and talk to people when I was working mm. my way through starting out the business. But I quickly understood that that was never going to be a big enough market for me. And luckily, you know, it is a, it is a very small rural town, but it is also a tourist town. Um, it's, it's a place where a lot of, it's a, a lot of, um, there's actually a few global businesses in this small town because it's a lifestyle town. People Mm. you know want to live here and if they can live here and run a bigger business that's you know nationwide or something than they do so it's there is wealth in the town and there was opportunity there but i i saw that it was always going to be better for me to be able to reach um, larger markets and so the the way to do that was to get involved in um other community groups online um i joined a few forums and have gone to a lot of networking events um, down in Melbourne. There's a regular one that I, uh, that, you know, has been running uh, monthly catch-ups that I would go to. And that's a, 
you know, a three-hour drive to go for dinner. But and I, I don't get down there every month. But um, it, it's always been rewarding to do that and to go and 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 meet people. Uh, certainly, we you know we're obviously doing it over Zoom at the moment because um, it's uh, we haven't been able to meet in person all year. Um, but yeah, and, and it was it was hard for me as well. Apart from uh, apart from having the um, the limitation on being remote. I was also a full-time single dad at the time um, that I was uh, getting started with this sort of iteration of the business. And um, so I also needed to work um, out a way to do my business within school hours because I couldn't do any work outside of that and I, I couldn't really go very far. So I had to be able to do things online and, and um, connect with people through um through forums and and um just going on uh you know one-off trips to networking events and really uh getting to know people that way so that's quite interesting there that you couldn't do what other people probably in your situation would have done which is work harder work longer hours you had no choice but to work smarter and find different ways to get better results because exactly. you had to you had to close the business at probably 3 p.m yeah, that's really interesting. So, how did you go about this process of? I'm trying to think how to even ask the question. You realized you couldn't. There wasn't enough business for you in town. The catchment area was too small. Your niche, if you like, had much broader potential. How did you actually go about executing on some kind of plan to unlock that? Yeah, so I actually uh, did. Um, so apart from just participating in in um, those kind of networking events, I, I built my website and my market marketing to to target those kind of businesses and doing the wholesale model. And then I actually did a lot of LinkedIn outreach to get in front of business owners all over Australia. Um, I did targeted sort of uh, LinkedIn outreach to. Um, I, pe- people that I um, saw as ideal clients, um, and then since um, since moving away from that reseller model, I've now moved into um, also targeting um, international and uh, it clients um, directly, and and going to um, meet meet people in other parts of the world, going to live events, uh, which is where I met you and and also that's how I, I have got a one of my one of my favorite clients is also from sunny Aberdeen really <laughs> is it yeah yeah um he's got a uh a, a I probably know them fitness business <laughs> oh Scott Bapti yeah Scott Bapti yes yeah. I know of him <laughs> yeah crazy world it is so what proportion of your business now is international as opposed to Australian I think it's about uh, 40%, 40 or 50%. Yeah. See, this is this is crazy because that's so unusual for a web developer of any kind. And again, it comes down to you had constraints and you had to find a way to still do well within those constraints. So that yeah. that's really interesting. And again, and you had the problem... No, go on. Uh, another drive for it apart from, uh, you know... Um, you know, have to, the necessity to build a business this way in order to grow. But I also wanted to make sure that my business was stable. I didn't want to be too reliant on any one market. 
And that has served me really well, especially uh, this year where a lot of things have happened. In, in my local area, we went through some serious bushfires at the start of the year, which shut down uh, essentially a lot of, a lot of businesses um, uh, through the uh, December to February period um, uh, locally. And um, that while that affected um, just a couple of my clients, the majority of my clients uh, were, were in other areas and were completely unaffected. And then hmm. when um, when the the uh, pandemic has hit, it hit some industries a lot harder than other industries. And so I, while I had some clients that uh, needed to really slow things down or or, um, or pause what they were doing um, or stop projects, I had other businesses that were booming and out of necessity they needed to be doing more and more work with us. So yeah, I think it's important to. Um, uh, not be not have any uh, points of single point sensitivity. Yeah, no, that's. Um, I think I've certainly seen a lot of people who focus on helping the hospitality sector. They've really struggled. Yeah, yeah. I think niching in vertical markets is something people are often encouraged to do, but it, it even that can be a little bit hazardous sometimes. It can be. I think it's. Um, it can be very rewarding. Um, but yeah, you, you want to make sure that you're not vulnerable when you do it. Mm. So in terms of your team, how many people do you employ now? I have uh, 17 people in the team. And of those, how many are within a thousand miles of you? One. <laughs> me. <laughs> so tell me that story, because I think for a lot of people, I mean, you have this constraint where you don't, there isn't a vast talent pool in your area. And for a lot of agencies in particular, that can really be an inhibiting factor. But you found a really nice way around that as well. So tell me about that. Yeah. And so this, this again feeds into the, the constraints that I had early on. Uh, I wanted to work from home. I wanted to have a flexible lifestyle and be able to uh, travel. I, I didn't want to have to open an office. Um, my I, I'd been working in my father's office, and I, I wanted to get away from that and build a business that I could run from home and, and spend more time with my uh, kids. When I started the business, they were uh, one and two at the time. So um, yeah, that that was something that I uh, focused on. And so to uh, hire people, I looked to um, going overseas and got. Uh, hired people from the Philippines. Um, being in Australia, they're in they're not in my time zone, but they're in the Perth time zone, and so it's only two or three hours different from me at the at, um, times of the year. Uh, and uh, culturally, they I, I get along really well with them. Um, a lot of them uh, already have a bit of an understanding of Aussie culture. And um, certainly they're very Americanized. Um, and sometimes I have to, um, you know, work that out of them, you know, get the date, <laughs> date, date formats right and, and spell color correctly, please. Things like that. But <laughs> I hear um, you. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, um, that's, uh, they are uh, fantastic people. And um, I really love my team. I've, uh, been well one of them's been in the team for I think seven years now and most of them have been in the team for about five or six um, 
and we've got a really awesome team culture. We have a chat every day. We're mostly laughing and um, making fun of each other in our Slack channels. Um, and yeah, it's it's a I I absolutely love working this way. So I think a lot of people have some. There, I guess there's a lot of myths around outsourcing. Mm. I don't even know where to begin, but I, for example, I've heard of people being hired as full-time employees remotely and discovering they've got two or three full-time jobs <laughs> or that, yeah, so many, so many things I could go through. Yeah. But a, what's your experience of that being? And how do you, how do you, how do you manage the fact that these people are remote, that you don't have that? The supervision element, I guess, is the question I'm asking. Yeah. Um, Look, a little bit of it is just trust, and um, and you, you do need to sort of go for a bit of time with people, and um, uh, you, there has to be a bit of um, that, that you know you have to have a bit of trust that they're not um, doing stuff, but then also you can you do start to see the signs when things are going wrong if things change and also if someone is acting unusual to the way the rest of your team do and, and that sort of thing it, it's something that uh, i've i've certainly learned from i've been burnt a couple of times and had some bad mistakes um and i have yeah uh there, there has been you know and and a few people that i've hired that haven't worked out but by and large i think it's it's worked really well um the main thing for me is um, in terms of supervision, I only really care about the results that are coming out. I don't care about when they're working necessarily or how they're getting it done. Um, I, I just care mostly about are they doing the right things? Are we getting good results for our clients? Are they, um, you know, uh, yeah, if, if communicating effectively and things like that. And, and so... I've always made it a very strong rule um, that I explain clearly up front with, with um, the people I employ that uh, I don't accept that they have any second job. And especially because at the start, I was a wholesale supplier. So people were outsourcing to me and I needed to trust that um, they were not you know, outsourcing to their cousin <laughs> or, yeah. or getting um, uh, or having those two jobs. And I have had cases where someone has tried to take on a second job and you quickly see the quality of work decline um, when that happens because they, they get burnt out. They're, they're trying to work too many hours. They're slow, slower to respond because they're thinking about something else. But we have... Um, we have very good communication internally within the team, and so you you spot these things fairly quickly if if they're going on. So, if anybody's listening, thinking, "I'd like to explore recruiting in the Philippines," what did your recruitment process look like? How did you, I guess, how do you identify talent? What's the admin look like? That kind of thing. Yeah. So initially. Initially, I hired people for SEO and then I actually, my first web developer was referred to me from somebody else who uh, had a web developer that, that they'd stopped doing web development and said, does anybody want a web developer? And, I, um, and so I was lucky enough to have um, my first developer be a really um, like an absolute star. He's still the main guy in my team. Um, and... Uh, that, I guess, is a bit of a lucky break. But since then, 
Um, I've had a number come through referrals. And also once you get a few people um, getting referrals from within the team, so I have a number of brother-sister um, hires and uh, husband-wife teams, um, so and 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 a you know cousin that sort of thing. So you can find more people that way once you have one or two great people that you've hired. But to find the first one, I it, it would depend on the role that you're going for. Sometimes finding a, a good recruitment agency. Uh, I know of one um, one in particular for VA type roles, but I don't know one for developers. For developers, we've always had a process of hiring by um, putting out ads um, for the position and then making the developers go through an application process, which helps us to weed out a lot of the people who are just spamming resumes. And I don't think that's a Filipino thing. I think that's a global thing. <laughs> Whenever you put up a yeah. job ad, you're going to get, you have to sort of sort the wheat from the chaff. And um, then then we, uh, we, we put them through a series of trials. And I, I think it's important as well to, pay for those trials if you're taking up a, a, a fair bit of their time don't expect people to spend um, a couple of hours on something for you just as a free application um, so we we do some paid trials and we make them fairly intensive so that we um, we put people under pressure and we find how they deal with problems we um, we uh, can see how they handle different situations. And we, um, I've learned over time, and it, it's something that we've developed over time, um, because we'd have someone come through the process and then we found that actually they weren't a good fit because of X. So then we go, right, how do we build that into our recruitment process so that that's not gonna happen again? Um, you know, so we can weed out that um, undesirable trait. Um, so, yeah, that's really, really useful. Mm. So looking at your business now, it's 40% international. And for a business that really started as a little web development agency uh, in the high country in Australia, that's quite unusual. And that that's just a snapshot of where you are now. But I'm curious to know, what does your marketing look like now? Because you don't bring in 40% international business through local networking, no matter how good it is. <laughs> you mentioned Facebook groups and things like that, but in terms of content marketing or ads or things like that, do you do anything like that? Um, I've done nothing this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> there are no I wrong answers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, apart from going to two networking events, this is the first, being on this podcast is the first thing that I would consider marketing activities for the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing you're going to need to do. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's because I, um, I did do a lot, uh, last year and, um, I, I, we have sort of built up a, a critical mass of clients and a large number of referrals partners and, and people who um, refer business to us or come back to us for it. Um, so that that has been the biggest source of um, new clients at the moment is through word of mouth and referrals and um, and that sort of thing. Uh, and I did I did uh, last year do do a lot of um, video blogging. Um, so like uh, one one minute videos I would uh, just just do some performance tips. I put them out natively onto 
um, the main social media platforms as well as putting it onto my website and uh, via YouTube. And um, we would transcribe that into a, an article, that sort of thing. So I did a lot of that. I have been on a, a, a number of uh, podca podcasts as well um, last year, but this year, my problem all year has been our capacity. And I really wanted to um, build out a, a sort of a predictable and sustainable marketing plan for myself. But every time I try and sit down to do it, I'm thinking, I don't actually want more clients. I've got too bloody many. <laughs> <laughs> and, <poor> um, thing. <laughs> um, and so actually, um, yeah, I, and I sort of, because uh, I, 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 at the start of the year, I'm like, well, this is the January, February period. Um, I, I'm expecting it to not be as as good, so I won't. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't. I was expecting to spend that time when I was a bit quiet on on my marketing, but I ended up getting really busy and not having time to do it then, and went, just went to a few networking events. And then when March hit, I thought, oh, you know, um, this this um, pandemic is going to cause a slowdown in my business, so I really need to get into doing my marketing. But it actually kind of had the opposite effect after after an initial sort of shock and a few few clients being affected uh we ended up just slowly getting busier and busier but i still thought that maybe in like maybe this is just an initial thing and in two months time you know global markets will decline and and i, I should um you know get ready for that so um i didn't i didn't hire any more staff and um uh i sort of held off on that until it sort of you know it was june and i'm like we really need more staff um, and I found someone who was great, perfect fit for my team, um, awesome developer. But then after a couple of months, he needed to do, um, move away to a, a, a remote province in the Philippines where he didn't have good internet access and he had to just leave the business. So then I was back to square one. I tried, you know, reaching out to my network and getting referrals for developers. Couldn't find any. Uh, was still getting overloaded with projects and clients at this point and um uh, i realized that i i'd have to go back to my old recruitment process and that was pretty old and dated because i hadn't actually fired it up for a number of years and I, so um i thought right we'll, we'll do this properly and it was actually still in the the evergreen profit brand and not in the tune wp one so but i rejigged that and that took me about two months to actually get around to finishing that <laughs> because it was Ooh. just too, too overloaded and then yeah i finally just actually today uh hired two more developers from that process and they are fan seem like they're going to be fantastic candidates uh for congratulations the, the team yeah cheers so i'm feeling like finally i'll be able to start doing some marketing in the next two months <laughs> well i think to be honest you're probably one of these people that just needs to show up and is so naturally likable that people are going to come to you first anyway and if you're not friends with justin on facebook you are missing a treat because there's marketing yeah. and then there's memes and you had me at memes uh, you keep me entertained every single day on facebook so thanks for that yeah awesome it's good to hear i, I love it <laughs>
I um, it's I, it's something that I've always thought was actually the most beautiful thing about the internet is having access to the humor of the entire globe, and you can find all the best funny bits <laughs> that any and you steal it all from me. Yep, <laughs> and I love doing it. It's the best part of my day is uh, winding down <laughs> and just trying to find some funny shit. <laughs> so, Justin. I'm looking at the time. We should probably bring things to a close because it must be nearly 10.30 p.m. for you. Yeah, pretty close. And and here in the center of the universe, it's lunchtime. <laughs> so we should probably bring things to a close. And I asked you earlier, and you haven't found a way to drop it in organically, um, <laughs> if there was anything you were actively promoting right now. And although you're not desperate for new work, you did mention something about uh, audit of some kind that people could run. Yeah, so that that um, sort of performance framework that I went through before, that is the audit that we do of uh, people's websites. So we uh, we look at those eight key areas of your business, and and for 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 free, we'll we'll do an audit of your site and give you a, a bunch of recommendations, and um, and we can quote for implementing those recommendations, or you can you can join our support plans and um, and we'll implement those. Um, there might be, you know, we might need to pay a chunk, but uh, a lot of it will be covered by the support plan. Um, the other thing we do, apart from that sort of general overview of your website, we also do one focused just on website speed. So we'll look at um, look at your hosting, your content delivery network setup, your your caching, um, improving the the size of your website files, uh, optimizing your media, and and improving the loading priority of the elements on your page. Uh, making sure that it's it's loading fast for mobile speed and also looking at the core web vitals which are new metrics that Google uh, now measure in terms of your website speed and, and how it loads. So those those um, that's a, a, a sort of separate free audit that we can do just uh, focused on improving the speed of your website if that is really the only uh, problem that you have. Um, so yeah, you can head over to tunedwp.com uh, tuned with a D, wp.com. And um, yeah, we've got those two free audits there um, to check out. Um, Brilliant. Um, so, Justin, if people want to connect with you, they can go to tunedwp.com. Do you have another favorite method of contact? or is Well, if you're it? interested in mostly memes, you can check out Justin Meadows on Facebook. Um, or we could connect on LinkedIn. Although I find these days LinkedIn is more spam than useful. Um, but it's still, <laughs> it's, uh, it's still, it's still a good way to, to stay connected with, um, uh, other business, business owners and that sort of thing. And I guess to bring things to a close, I must ask you the question I try and remember and ask everyone. And that's what's one thing you do now that you wish had started five years ago? Yeah. And I think I have sort of, um, touched on this a bit, but I, the thing that I do differently now is how I've changed my business to have that structure that it, it has now in terms of the ratio of uh, support versus the projects. And something that I've done just recently in the last um, uh, the last month is start turning away the big projects. So we would often get projects coming to us, which are you know going to be in the fifty grand range or more. They're, they're complex implementations with custom designs and, um, you know, membership sites and um, directories or complex custom WooCommerce stuff. Those kind of projects we used to um, tackle. I used to 
love the challenge of those projects. Um, however, they took up the time of my best developers and meant that they could not support the bulk of um, uh, clients that we are supporting. They would be tied up and focused on that one project for six or more months. And um, I've just, it's very hard when you get a project that comes to you like that with a nice big price tag to say no. But yeah, in, you, in, you end up compromising long-term growth for a short-term cash hit. Exactly, yeah. And mm -hmm. um, and I've uh, got the, um, I, I guess the, uh, just recently the, uh, what's the word? Not constraint, uh, resolve, I guess, to, to, to say no to those things. And, and I've I reached out and sort of found other developers that focus on those kind of things that I can uh, refer people to so that I, cause I still get people coming to me for these projects. Um, and I want to make sure that they, you know, I, I can help them at least find the right person. Um, but yeah, now I don't do those and I really wish, uh, that I had have said no to some of those projects a year or two ago that came along that ended up taking up a lot of my bandwidth, um, that could have been better spent on growing my, uh, you know, the support side of my business. Justin Meadows from Tuned WP, you've been a fantastic guest. I've had so much fun. Thank you so much for your time for staying up late. And no yeah, hopefully I'll get to see you after this pandemic nonsense. For sure. Cheers, Bob. Thanks for having me on. It's been great to chat to you again. I, I, I am keen to get back over to the UK again one day. I'll be waiting. <laughs> Accepting your limitations and really understanding them is the first step radically overcoming them. Once you really take stock of your constraints and you try start applying a little creativity, you can quickly find that the only thing holding you back was your own ego and your own limiting mindset. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, join my Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. You can follow me everywhere at Bob Gentle. And if you do, message me, let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me. I know I say that every week, but it genuinely does. And it's the best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Justin for giving us his time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week. <laughs>